0: And uh, it was really a good experience going to Mexico. I, I didn't think I would share this, but I told Jim Dennis this in the You might not think it's about me, but Peggy will confirm it, that on the night before we left, I sat at my kitchen table with my face in my hands, saying out loud, I don't want to go.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't want to go. I'm going to call Rob and Shannon, tell them I'll drop them off at the airport pick them up when they get back, but I just can't. I just don't want to go. I don't know what happens inside me all the time, but it happens every time. I mean, right up to the end, i just like, Ugh. but once I go, it's a simple trip. We went to Mexico City. We went to Texcoco. We went to Cuatro Vientos. Um, we drove through Tapalupa and went to various places. And once I'm there, I'm 150% there. It's hard to get me to come home. So it happened again, but we did come back. And uh, I'm going to invite Pastor Rob to come and share uh, his experience. And we're going to show you some, some pictures and slides and uh, give you an update from our trip to the 15th anniversary of the church in Tescoco, and the 10th anniversary, which we really didn't highlight, the 10th anniversary of the uh, finishing the building in Cuatro Vientos. And uh, I'll just... The church in Tuscoco started 15 years ago with four people In a living room. It was a woman named Rosita. Who invited Borda to come to her home. And hold a Bible study in Texcoco. When he got there. It was Rosita and her two daughters and him. And after a little while it grew to about ten. And then those ten have grown into what we see here today. So Pastor Rob, have some fun man.
2: It's good to be back home. And and, uh, it was a really quick trip. It was just uh, about four or five days. Uh, It it felt like about two weeks because we got there. And as soon as we got off the plane after flying, uh, you know, it's, you know, the three-hour drive, a couple hours at the airport, a a flight over to Hermosillo, Hermosillo, and um, we, we discovered we don't know why anybody would ever live in Hermosillo. We got off the plane. It was 45 degrees centigrade. We still haven't figured that out, but I believe it's about 110 and, and, you know, in Mexico, you get to get off the plane right out into the open. You don't have to go inside, and so you're walking across the tarmac in this 110-degree weather. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We get in there and, you know, do all, all the fun stuff. Um, another flight back to Mexico City, uh, a, a long drive when we got there was flooded. Uh, there had been so many rains in Mexico, there was just floods everywhere. And uh, so, some whole pueblos were, were uh, just flooded out where even the... The furniture was carried out of the doors. The roads were bad, and the roads are always bad in mexico city it's the, the most um, the most amount of population in the, in the amount of square miles in the world. so it's the most populated city per square miles in the whole world, and they, and it seems like all of them have cars, and all of them were out when we landed. I mean, It, it was uh, almost about ten o'clock, eleven o'clock. And, and the roads were still just packed. And because of the floods, all the lanes and, and blinkers are a suggestion there. And, um, you know, the lines on the roads are suggestions. They're not real laws and rules. So, so we, we, you know, we're, we're tired and we're trying to get through the city and, and back streets and finding our way. Finally, we, we think we're going to go to bed. But, but, no, Pastor Aron had a, a group of people waiting for us at a restaurant. Now... You want to you know, think that we discovered here is, you know, and I've lived in it and, and been there, but we saw again is the commitment of people. They expected us to be landing around nine, and being at this little restaurant at nine thirty. We didn't get there until eleven o'clock, and they sat there and waited the whole time and didn't eat and just they were just committed. And they and so we got there and and, and now it's you know it's eleven o'clock. And we think a little, you know, it's dinner time, so they want to order a big dinner. And we stayed there. We finally got back to the room and in bed about two, I think, that night, two o'clock in the morning. And every day was the same. We wo- you know, we thought, oh, you know, we're we're stuffed, we're tired. And the next morning, it says, be ready, we're gonna p- pick you up this evening. That was Thursday night, so Friday morning, uh, uh, somebody came and picked us up for breakfast. And so we went out to a to a nice little restaurant and, and ate and got to new Got to know some new people. That was, and which days, I forget, I think that was Jose Luis and, uh, and his family. And he's a horticulturist. And he took us to his house where he's got this huge you know, greenhouse on top of which he didn't get any pictures of. But he is raising tomatoes on top of his roof that would take, I think it was like 20 acres or some craziness to raise. And so we spent there. And then about the time we got done with that, it was lunchtime. And so we met up with another group. And this is really the way, the way it went. The whole week. And it wasn't about the food. It was about pastor wanting us to meet and be with people of the church. Some leaders. Some people just, just involved. We got to, to, to know some wonderful people who had just been saved. Um, you know, Within the last year, their, their cell groups are, are growing. There was a number of people added in just the last year or so that were into the cell groups and who had been saved and baptized. One family went, went out with on one of the nights with all the, the, the cackling daughters. And uh, we had, so, they were just so fun and so funny. And, and it was great to get my Spanish going again because you know that you're okay in a language when you can joke in that language. And I had the girls laughing, so I thought, good, my, my, my Spanish is good. Um, but so, so we got to go out with, with you know, that family, and they had all been saved recently grown up Catholic, the mom, Lupita. Uh, and they had daughters up until their you know, early 30s. So just been saved a couple of years and had all been baptized, four kids and the mom and dad, in May, just a couple months ago, together. And they're serving Jesus. And, and we found that over and over again. It was just a, a wonderful time. One of the things that was exciting for me and, and uh, Pastor Jeff, we got to both partake, Shannon decided not to, is they told us we needed to eat um, n- not... Chile Chile, they they said, oh, you should try the chiniquil, and I said Chile Chile? No, no no, chiniquil. Does anyone know what chiniquil is? It's it's yeah oh, yeah she does now I told her about it through. So I said okay chiniquil, so we got some of that, and they said oh and you need to put some escamole on top of that, and so they brought up another dish, and I put some of that on my taco, and I enjoyed my. and I said well what what is chiniquil? And they said gusanitos. Now how many of those, now who, how, who knows kind of what we're talking about. Gusanitos and escamole. And so I take a, we take our nice big bite of our worm ant egg tacos.
1: Mmm.
2: I mean, it's, it's just great. I and mean, they, just, they just macked out on that. They, just, they love it. It wasn't like one of these rare foods that you go, oh, no, we want you to try this, but they don't actually eat it. Because I've, I've been there to, to do that, too. Uh, you know, I was in Guatemala where I'm eating this thing. It was the spinal column of a cow. And I'm like, Pastor, how come you're not eating this? He goes, I got a Big Mac, man. You know, <laughs> You know, but they're they're loving it, they're eating it and Shannon and, and this was really we laughed about this on the way home. Shannon orders fish. Tacos. I'm eating a worm ant egg taco and I look at Shannon and I says, You ate the fish? <laughs> There's something wrong with that, right? But every day we got to meet these beautiful people who just love God, love each other and serve one another. And we got to go to uh Cuatro Vientos and we're gonna show some pictures, just a few minute slideshow and we'll kinda narrate a little bit as we go. Um, Cuatro Vientos is, is in the middle of, of an area that was really planted by the government. And it was just a really poor, poor area with hardly any houses there, no streets, nothing. And the church started there 10 years ago. And right after, right around that time, the government had been planning to build government housing around it, with the purpose of getting them out of the city. There's too many people in, in the city of Mexico, so this was, you know, a couple hours away. So they actually built houses and a- asked 100,000 people to move uh, to different parts outside. And so, so this, this little pueblo that we were at grew up, um, Cuatro Vientos, and now is, is, you know, quite a few people, all very poor, all very poor. And um, the church has gone through some transitions. We were there, praise the Lord, to see the installation of three new leaders, um, the, the former pastor is no longer pastoring because of some situations that came. And and Pastor Aaron is installing his son, his brother, and Danielle, another gentleman who's a worship guy, as the leadership team of the church. And we were there for that day for the installation. I got to preach a little bit in Spanish, which was, which was fun. That's And there's going to be a picture on here where you'll if you you'll see Shannon sitting on the row, front row. The picture is going to be coming from the back. And if you look at her face... Um, she's just bawling, and um, it it gets you. Her heart was just taken away by love and the people there. And uh, we're we're connected. We've made some wonderful friends. We're already on Facebook together, and um, with the translator and some other people, it's it's so good to just see the other part of the body of Christ. You know, God doesn't speak English. That's not his first language. You know, Jesus didn't come to the United States of America. He came to the world, and it's so good to get outside and meet other believers from other cultures and other nations and realize that we're all part of the body of Christ. So it was a great opportunity, a great time. On Sunday, we were back in Texcoco uh, for the main service, celebrating 15 years. Pastor Jeff... I got uh, opportunities to teach in Texcoco and to uh, help uh, lay hands on and install the, the leadership in, in, I'm sorry, in Cuatro Vientos and lay, lay hands in, on the leadership team of Cuatro Vientos. He preached again in Texcoco at, at the Sunday school. And it was just a great time. The worship is loud. If you think the music is loud here, just go down there and you'll say thank you for keeping the music quiet here. And... Uh, but it's just a wonderful time of being in the, in the presence of God, in the presence of believers um, who just love God and have grown so much. The, uh, the church started with just the four and it grew up. And they actually had the ser- original services at four o'clock in the afternoon at the beginning because it was women who were coming and they got saved out of Catholicism. And, and they had a four o'clock service so that when they left their house, their husbands thought that they were going to Mass. That was the only way they could get and go to service. And and so, but many of those husbands have, have come to the Lord also. And from an area, it, it sounded like once they got to the building they were at, they were in a bodega, which is a storage area. And they were meeting in an area, probably just this front side of the church. I think they were only doing half of it, so about this. This was their little meet, meeting area for quite a while. And... uh and we're going to show some, show some pictures up here of Texcoco in just a minute, and you'll see how it's grown, new ceilings. And recently, they made the, the acquisition. If you've ever been to, to you know, Mexico or Central America, you know all the buildings are built, and inside of the big blocks there's other houses. And so what you see on the outside is, is might be five or six different houses. You walk in and then go this way for one house, and it's just kind of maze. very interesting. So they had this huge area that Brother Martin had owned, and he was the one who let them use the bodega at the back at the beginning. And slowly, uh, he would begin to give them or let them use other space, and they began to buy his house. He owned the whole, this huge area, um, 75 feet wide by... 300 feet long maybe 200 feet long and just different buildings for his he had uh, workshops and things slowly but surely he would give little extra parts well now you can have this one they'd buy it just recently he li- and he lived in the middle so if you can if you can picture this rectangle down here being the front of the church and they started expanding well take out this rectangle and this is where he lives and so he lived right in the middle of the church services every you know all the time his wife recently passed away, and he agreed to sell the entire, uh, the entire house to the church and at, at uh, a good price, but it's not as cheap there. It's $290,000. He's carrying the loan, no interest, and they're beginning to make payments by faith. And so now they've, they've just about doubled the size of the church with this, the acquisition of property. And that was exciting to be there, too. You'll see some pictures of Brother Martine. Um, wonderful time. We're excited about the future. Excited about what's happening down there and that we get to be a part of it and what's going to be happening in Cuatro Vientos. which um, So Shannon is in the nursery, which gave her a good excuse not to have to share. Um, but her heart was definitely changed. And... Uh, and uh, you know, broken for the people down there and, and just the love and relationship we had. So I guess Liz, we're going to turn on a, a slideshow and some other things, and I'll give it back to Pastor Jeff.
0: I'll just sit here and be the narrator. You could lose those lights. Thank you. I'll just try and point out anything that uh, is of interest or confirms. Cuatro Vientos Last time we were there, it had a vinyl tarp roof. This is uh, this is the building that's actually ten years old. They got the roof built on it. Really, really nice. And they're already wanting to take out a wall and start again. The guy in the middle is Daniel. You'll see him in a couple of other pictures. He's he was his parents started the church in their home when he was just a little boy.
1: How many members does the
0: church have? I don't know that they go by members, but. What happened was that there was a moral failure in the pastor's family, and he dropped his keys and left, and the church went to zero. Within the last six months, there were five people left, it really tore the church apart. And so our job there was was there's Shannon crying her eyes out, leaving her heart in Cuatro Vientos. Very significant moment um, for her, for us, the uh, The installation of the new leadership while we were there was our our primary task. And you'll see those slides in just a moment. My interpreter went to school in Pensacola, Florida. He was good. He was really good. Very helpful. So the church is building back up. And with these new leaders in place, Daniel on the left, Stephen de la Borda in the center, pastor's son, and then Victor de la Borda, pastor's brother, on the right. Of course, on the extreme left was Aaron de la Borda, the pastor that we served with there. This was praying over them, installing them as the new leaders. The Lord gave me a prophetic word for each one of them, which was very exciting, very ins- and, and confirmed immediately for Victor de la Borda, whom the Lord said was going to use him as the hands of the church, to serve the church and to bring direction and guidance to the body there and it turned out that it's testimony of his actions the week before came to me that confirmed the word of the Lord in his life it was a very very exciting time there for us I don't know that we brought any pictures this trip for you of the surrounding area would have been good if we could have done that. You could have seen the tremendous government housing that's been built in every direction out from this church. It sits on a little hill. The reason it's called Cuatro Vientos is because if you stand there for about five minutes, the wind will actually hit you from all four directions. Quatro Vientos means four winds. And but they've built in every direction away from the church. It's almost in the center, and God has placed it strategically there. Very small. Uh, group or small building for what the need is, but uh, this was exciting for me. Daniel was a young man; he's 27 now, but when we started going, he might have been in his, uh, younger than 10. And he uh, was grown up there. The Lord said that he had been faithful in in another man's work, and God was giving him his opportunity to serve in his own work. At Sunday school. Here's a handsome lot. The gringos. No. <laughs> Three amigos or something there. This was a discussion between a husband and a wife about whether or not she would share. <laughs> is the adult Sunday school attendance children are meeting all over behind to the right the back of the property the other classrooms what you see in the back where the white curtain is is a porch that leads to the house that's directly behind it's a two story house that's where brother Martin lives and what he just sold to the church people you can see how it fills out remember this started 15 years ago with four people in a primarily Catholic driven community of course. And it is just an ocean for me of people now that are solid leaders. They're running about seventeen subgroups throughout the city. We
2: were told by a number of people that there was a
1: lot of people missing.
0: Yeah. Summer break, many of them work at the local university. This is the what they call the president of the congregation, Luis Ramiro and he's a tremendous man he was one of the first 10 people that started in the church 15 years ago he and his wife extremely faithful great leaders they put up a temporary tent on a piece of property owned by a fun guy named Jorge the guy in the hat if you can see him off to the left there these will go by pretty quick but he stretched up a tent and we needed it it rained so hard there was 3 or 4 inches of water in the grass surrounding the tent and the whole church came out here and had the carnitas and barbacoa and this pastor and his son Stephen sitting there in the middle brother Martin's down on the left in the brown that went by fast Uh, this is our interpreter's family and a sneak in their angel this happened regularly can we take a picture with you we take a picture and then they want to pray pray for us we pray for them, they pray for us we pray for them, they pray for us Happens a lot. It's a very loving culture. This is a third man from the left is Ignacio, one of the leaders of the church. This is the family with the talking girls. My goodness, Rob's favorite people. <laughs> and uh, we went to a place called Italianis the night before we left with Aaron Delabord's little brother on the right. Eliezer and his wife Sophie they've been here to Big Bear and uh, spent time with us here in the mountains our interpreters on the left which by now we almost didn't need because our Spanish had returned Brenda and Tony and Natasha on the left and uh, Eliezer and Sophie on the right those three three amigos in the middle it's like an olive garden it's pretty nice I had a pizza it's
1: great
0: <laughs> <clears throat> and know already half of it but. was there a, was there a video yeah we can just run go ahead and run that video let's, we'll get this done dedicated the uh, newborn, May 27th, this is Stephen de Laborde in the center, pastor's son, recently married, recently graduated Bible college, he is going to be the lead guy in Cuatro and we're laying hands on Matthew,
1: the
0: newborn, to dedicate him in front of the church in Quatro Vientos, we dedicated also about seven about seven children there during the service also you. back to his parents. A lot of explanations given about dedication of children.
1: There's the wild man himself. He just
0: sent an email and said so that he was planning to be with us here. On August seventh. So He's going to be trying to arrive here in Big Bear. A
1: todos Dios. Diga gloria su nombre a todos. Independientemente lo que Dios This
0: is the final part of the service when they brought most of the leaders who were in town onto the platform. There are actually ten families that help guide the church and are all cell leaders. Behind pastor. Is a little short brother, Martin, who's had the vision for a church in his bodega. And uh, you can't see her just barely, second from the right on the platform, little black is the gal who started this whole thing off 15 years ago. He prayed for the leaders, and then the leaders in turn prayed for Pastor. The thing that we are reminded of every time we go there is I know I've I've prayed through the attitude that the Lord corrected me on some time ago. And that for all it takes for us to get there, you know, airfares and time and off work and finances and and then the aftermath, which uh, Rob and I have dutifully decided to bring home hitchhikers once again. They're called parasites. <laughs> so we've just started a new weight loss program. We don't know their names yet, but they are voracious. They'll eat anything you give them. It's exciting. I mean, it's you know, I, you know what? The, my mind. These little parasites are down here in my stomach, and they're they're like the lions in Daniel and the lions den. You know, Daniel came out and then they dropped the other fellows in. Said they didn't even hit the floor. That's the way it is when you eat with these guys. It doesn't even get anywhere. It just... (laughs) (laughs) So, might might have been those uh, huevos de hormiga. Yeah. might have been those ant egg tacos we had or or the the worms there, the escaboles. Who knows? Anyway, we brought home some invaders. You think, well, why go to that expense and that time and the effort and... In the aftermath to go there. But Aaron Dale will tell me every time, he said, your presence here is what makes the difference. Knowing that we're working together, having the people connect with you and connect with the church, sensing your heart and the heart of God in you and in your church is what keeps us going. That's the thing we need most. You have to come. You can't send something in your place. If you come then we get all the benefit that's possible because we feel camaraderie, brotherhood in the kingdom of God and we know that we're on task working together so he convinces me every time that we need to come back you still have those? okay oh. uh, you know I'd just like to get it done Feeling different, and I also like to close that door on that side. You can close them both if you want. I I want to thank just briefly Pat McGee and Gary specifically for all the work they've put into the tent meetings coming up this week. They're, I won't say tirelessly, because they're probably tired, but they're working very hard on your behalf to make these meetings occur from set up to organization and getting things ready for Jason Friend to come starting tonight 630 right across from Riffenburg on Snowplay Hill there's a tent set up there outdoor meetings all this week every night with Jason Friend and we didn't put a clip of Jason up Jason if you want, uh, just briefly is, grew up here in Big Bear and now he's, he's already preached to more than 3, three million people worldwide uh, shared the gospel with more than 3 billion he's authored 3 books and he has uh, been called the Billy Graham of Costa Rica he's, he's just a sincere guy he's a friend he's, he's a big name by now in the sense of, of worldwide evangelism but he's just a regular guy with a regular family who loves God and is willing to come back and he's excited about coming home to Big Bear and preaching all week in the tent and uh, the churches are going together on this event. And um, we just had two or three pictures here. This is Jim Shuck, who many of you know, Jim Melinda Shuck. He's sort of the visionary of this whole thing, bought a tent, said, let's do this in Big Bear. And so there he is kind of staking out the property. And uh, it takes a little bit of help. And the guys are digging post holes and getting things ready. It's got to do it according to the city's plan. In Mexico, you just dig the holes, put it up wherever you want it. It's kind of fun. Uh, definitely some effort put into this making sure it's right and safe and all that this year we've decided to just put the tent over the equipment and the speaker and that worship team and the rest of us are just going to be sitting outside and it should be a good week for it pastor eric herder on the left uh, who has really been the key leader for the churches this year from believers chapel he's uh obviously giving direction to to what we're doing there and uh he is he also owns a tent. Last year we put up two tents. One was his and the other was the shucks. On the right, uh, Pastor Bill Weaver from the Assembly of God. And I just wanted you to see that you know the pastors are involved together on this. There are multiple churches that are coming together to worship uh, the Lord Jesus together. And there's wild man Gary right there on the on the left, uh, who is yelling evidently at Pastor Bill. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. But To say thank you publicly to you because now we're going to go in, we're going to dive in and give it all we've got for a week. And uh, there won't be a whole lot of time to do much of anything else but to keep moving. Uh, Pastor Rob has has been asked by the other churches to lead the worship team every night. And so he's put together a team of collected people from the other churches, put them together into a uh, quick band and and worship set. And so uh, we'll be handing out sheets every night for you to join in and worship together out under the sky. So how many of you plan on coming? You get in there, bring some people with you, and yeah, you know, invite your friends. This is a, an easy opportunity to invite people to hear the gospel, to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, Jason's books are written in such a way as to demonstrate the power of Jesus Christ to bring to a life. His own family is used as a lot of the illustration, very dysfunctional family, alcoholic parents, and, and how they all came to know the Lord. And uh, God made a tremendous impact on them. So, I'm looking forward to it every night, all week long. And I think you know we're we're can I you Can we Let me run really quick, and uh, just bring you a quick message that's on my heart. And I think it certainly comes from the week of meetings ahead of us and having been in Mexico, and realizing again what Jesus said to us just before he left. His, before he left here, the earth. In Matthew 28, we're talking about the resurrection of Jesus. And he, he's risen, and some of them are gathered there at the tomb and see the angels. The angels are talking to them saying, you know, he's not here, he's risen. Uh, he says that we should tell you to go ahead of him into Galilee, and he wants to meet you there. And so in verse 6 it says, They went out quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to bring his disciples this word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. In verse 16 it says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus has appointed had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. I mean, this is somebody alive from the dead. This is a tremendous moment. These, these people have been living with Jesus for three years. And I think there are others here at this, on this mountain as well. Because in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul records for us that there were 500 people that saw him alive all at the same time. It's likely that those 500 people were on this mountain experience with the eleven. And so there may have been a greater crowd there, but they're there to meet with somebody who is alive from the dead. Now tell me, wouldn't you have a little bit going on in your mind too? Say, is it really? Could this possibly be? So there was some doubt present. Jesus begins to speak with them. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This was, we call this the Great Commission. It's recorded in all four Gospels, actually, but not in the same tone or way, but it's there. All four Gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, confirm that Jesus said to his disciples, Go and make disciples baptize them, teach them this. In order to be a real disciple, we don't, I don't disciple Rob to be a disciple of mine. I'm supposed to disciple him to be a disciple of Christ, to be a follower of Jesus. I'm supposed to, according to this command of Christ, wherever I go, make friends, lead them to the Savior, and then help them follow all the things that He has said, not all the things I say. I'd be a little scared to have all kinds of little disciples behind me looking like me. One of me is enough. Amen. Amen. Lots of amens on that one. And one of you is enough. But a bunch of little Jesuses is what we need. And he's the one this is my commission to you. I want you to go and do this. I want you to make disciples who will look like me, who will follow what I've taught and follow my commands. As we said earlier, there's only one name under heaven given among men by, whereby we must be saved. And when we're saved, we're saved unto Christ. We're saved by Him. We're now His disciples. We're His followers. And a disciple is a mathetes in the Greece. It means to do the math. It means do the math, calculate your response, and follow Christ appropriately, becoming like Him. Example Him. And we know that there are plenty of people that will never read the Bible, right? They're just not going to read the Bible. But they read you. They watch you. They look at your life. They interpret who you are and who you say you are. And if you say you're a follower of Jesus, then you need to look and walk and act and live like him. Give them something to look at. In Luke chapter 24, I mentioned all four Gospels share this directive. In Luke 24, Jesus appears to himself. It says, "Peace to you." In verse thirty-six, in verse forty-four, he says, "These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you—that is, before he was crucified—that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets concerning me." And he opened their understanding. And I appreciate this, and I pray, God, open our understanding. He's the one that can open our understanding. He opened their understanding that they might what? Comprehend the scriptures. In other words, all that had been written, all of the Old Testament, all the prophets, all the Psalms, all the, the Pentateuch, everything that had been written pointed at Christ. And now that he was raised from the dead, he said all those things had to happen so that it would be fulfilled what was prophesied thousands and hundreds of years before I was here understanding and I pray God breathe on us open my mind open my heart help me to really get the truth that it was necessary in verse 46 that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and rise from the dead the third day Lord would you help us understand and truly believe this we all The resurrection, but we didn't see it we weren't there we didn't see Jesus alive from the dead we often refer to it we say we believe it but I want to say Lord can I truly believe it I I accept it by faith I put my trust in it my whole life rides on the very fact that Jesus is alive from the dead but I've never seen him I've never touched him I've never held him I've never prayed with him in person because you and I the Bible says are the body of Christ we see Christ in one another we see Christ we know he's alive you know what the greatest testimony of the truth of the resurrection is? The very top of all things that proves that Jesus is alive. We try and do it historically. We try and get testimony. We hear it from the Bible. We can accept it by faith. But what's the real proof? The real proof is your life transformed. Your life changed. All of the apostles, all the early disciples, when Christ moved on them, when they became believers in him, their lives were transformed. Look at Saul of Tarsus dragging off Christians and throwing them in jail. Has a head-on experience with the resurrected Christ on the road to Damascus, and it transforms him into this apostle that reaches out to all the Gentiles. His life is totally changed. Your family's looking. Your friends know you. The people who work around you need to see the transformation of the life of Christ inside of you. And so I pray, Lord, help us to truly believe that this is just reading. It's true. His name is Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, this is so important, Behold, I send the promise of my Father on you, but wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Go to Jerusalem and wait until you, this literally means until you are clothed upon, until it is draped over you, until you are filled from within and out. Can you see this picture that we stand like an empty vessel? And God says he wants to endow us or clothe, clothe us upon with the Holy Spirit. And he also uses the terminology, if you'll look in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he was talking to his disciples there, again, after the resurrection, being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard from me. That's a reference to Luke twenty four forty nine. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Spirit not many days from now. Go and wait until you receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Until you're completely engulfed by the power of God. Because the command I've given you to go into all the world and make disciples is not possible. It's not even doable. It's not even approachable. Unless you're filled with the Spirit of God. You can't do it and he knew that and he said go and wait and then he will he said when I go to the Father I'll send back the Holy Spirit he'll fill you he'll baptize you he'll surround you he'll clothe you with ability that you do in order to do what? he said to be witnesses in verse 8 you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria and to the end of the earth this is what he's called us to do now bear with me just two more minutes here maybe three maybe just kidding in fact there's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 11 that says you don't have to turn there Paul says oh that you would bear with me in a little folly and indeed you do bear with me (laughs) in verse 7 of Acts chapter 1 it says uh, actually verse 6 when they had come together they asked him saying Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel and he said to them it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in His own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Here's why I ask you to bear with me. There is a lot of attention given to what we call the last days. In internal studies, it's called eschatology. The study of end times. There's a lot of preoccupation some people are enamored with and enthralled by the calculation of when Jesus will return. Even in this year, didn't we already have somebody all over the news giving us a date that Jesus would come back? And so there's a lot of attention given to the last times. I think it's a great study. I think it's a good doctrine. I think it's in the Bible. I think there's a lot we can know about the second coming of Christ. But at this time, when the disciples asked him, so tell us when you said kingdom, is this it? Is this the end? Jesus said, that's not for you to know. But what it is for you to know is that you need to be endued with power and be a witness. This week, in this community, I'm not focused on the end times. I'm not going to focus on when Jesus is coming back. I want to focus on being a witness for Christ. I want to focus this week specifically as we go into these tent meetings and sharing my faith. Inviting other people to know Christ. Because this much I know he has given us this responsibility. He's commissioned us. He's also empowered us to do it. I don't have to be afraid of sharing my faith about Christ with other people. That's up to them to decide, right? When somebody shared their faith with me, it was up to me to decide. Thank God I said yes. When they shared Christ with me, they answered all the questions of my heart without knowing what the questions were. They began to just open the Bible and read to me scriptures. And when they got done, they said, is there anything else you want to know? I said, yes, I want to know how to know him. I didn't know he was alive. I thought he was just a historical... I went to Sunday school. I grew up with the Jehovah's Witnesses. I read all the books. I got all the answers right. But I never knew he was alive. And that day when those men, filled with Jesus, began to share with me their faith right from the Scriptures and read to me things about, did you know you were a sinner? Did you know you were separated from God? No, I didn't know that. Did you know that God doesn't like that? No, I didn't know that. I didn't think he cared. Did you know that he made a way for you to be friends with him? No. I knew Daniel in the lion's den, Noah in the ark, Adam and Eve. I knew the big stories of the Bible. But I did not know that they were true. I didn't know that Jesus was real. And these guys said, your life today, he can forgive your sin. He can buy you back. And you can be free. I knew in that moment, the Bible says without a Savior they said all you need to do is ask him to come in I said well then how do I do that they said pray this prayer with us I prayed this prayer with them and when I got done tears streaming down my face they said how do you feel I said I feel like I could float I feel like this huge weight has been lifted off of me they said that's your sin being removed by the Master and Savior Jesus I said really really I'm free the Bible I found out later says whom the son sets free is free indeed Jesus said if you'll learn my word and keep my word in your heart you'll be my disciples and then you'll be free that's our role now is to share our faith just simply invite people this week tell them to come let Jason do the work he wants to do it tell them you've got to come and see this internationally published author Find a way to get our friends and our family members there to hear the gospel that's going to be presented every night. And let's make a dent in the enemy's holdings. And let me part company on that. Ephesians chapter 6 says we're supposed to put on the full armor of God. Right? You can read it later. Ephesians six ten through 9. Put on the full armor of God. Why? Because there is a battle going on. There is a battle going on in the spirit for souls... There is a wrestling match in the heavenlies by the enemy of our souls. Satan and his demonic forces have been loosed on this community in every community around the world. They are wreaking havoc unless there are people of God who will put on the full armor of God and say, I'm going to stand in the gap and I'm going to build up a hedge. In Second Corinthians chapter 4 says this ministry has been given to us that we have this glorious gospel to be presented to people but their minds are blinded by the God of this world. There's a over their minds and their eyes are blinded they can't see Jesus let me tell you how specific this is this comes from a story by Peter Wagner I believe there was a town I can't remember the name of the town it was, and there were there were people that went to this town and they were handing out tracts some of you have heard this before they would hand out simple leaflets that told about the story of Jesus and the good news and they would walk down the sidewalk and talk to people and hand them this this pamphlet say we would like to share this with you about Christ and people drop it on the ground and walk off after a while they got tired of that so they crossed the street and on the other side of the street they would hand this to somebody say we'd like to share this this about Jesus people would take it and begin to read it they noticed after a while that they would go to the other side of the street and say I would like to share this with you it's about Jesus they'd toss it on the ground and walk off but then they'd keep their eye on that person and that person would cross the street when they got to the other side of the street, they would reapproach them and say, "Hi, I'd like to share this youth about Jesus." And they'd take it and they'd read it. Same person. They said, "What is happening?" They began to inquire, and in this city, the dividing line of the municipality, if you will, the geography of the city or the city boundary, went right down the middle of the street. This side in this community, there were people gathered who prayed. The city and that people would be able to see the news of Jesus Christ whenever they were approached they looked on this side there's nobody over here praying for anybody and so it was simply that in the spirit this side of the street was incorporated into those believers prayers and the bible says Ephesians 3.10 that the church is supposed to put on display the prince of Heaven, and that when you pray something happens God enforces what we asked for And in our city, this week, you and I have a battle to fight. There are souls at stake. There are people's lives on the line. And we cannot relax. We cannot. We must put on the full armor of God. We must stand in the gap. We must pray over this community. We must say to the principalities and powers, as the church has the authority to do, that in the name of Jesus, push back the blinders. Take the blinders off their eyes. I think we could actually see some tremendous good if the body of Christ, hear me, you know 2 Corinthians 11, one. bear with me in my folly just a moment I'm not saying we should do this specifically I'm not organizing anything but I think if we were to gather as the church the whole body of Christ and simply get on the site and begin to pray and pray seriously and push back principalities and power by the name of Jesus and the power of Jesus that we almost wouldn't have to go out and invite anybody We've heard plenty of stories like this where people driving by had to pull in. I just had, I don't know what it was. I was on my way to suicide. Jason Fran has had this testimony in his meetings in Costa Rica where he was preaching and a man drove by on a bridge and he was looking for a spot on the bridge to jump and kill himself. And he glanced down and here were these tents. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit got a hold of his heart and he got curious. He wanted to go see what was going on in the tent. And he drove his car down, he parked, he went into the tent, heard the gospel got saved. Gave his life to God. Later told Jason, I was only going across the bridge in order to jump and take my own life. Why is that? Because somebody's praying. Because we're doing battle in the spirit. Let's not fall asleep at the switch, so to speak. Let's find ourselves in doing spiritual warfare on the behalf of people we do not know yet. There are friends, there are brothers and sisters in Christ who have yet to come to know him. Somebody was praying for me. They had to be. In order for those two guys to walk. I still don't know who. I don't think anybody liked me. But nonetheless, somebody must have been praying for me. I began to think that it was an aunt in our family. Who after she died, they went through her things. And they brought to me, I would never even met her. They brought to me all of her Bibles. You know, if you're clearing out the estate and you come up with a stack of Bibles, what do you do? You find the one Christian in the family and you give them to him. He probably wants them. And I began to sort through them. And here I found that this couple, an aunt and uncle that I'd never met, gave each other gifts every year on their anniversary. And they would be new Bibles every year on their wedding anniversary. This is my darling bride on our anniversary. Boom, there's a stack of them. And the things are underlined and scriptures are circled. I thought, these are believers. And I thought, this aunt and uncle in my family must have been praying for our family. And I won't ever get to say thank you until we're there. And if it was them, I'm totally indebted. Why? Because somebody prayed. You've got names. We've put names on, on this walls. cross. We've had names on, on, these on these walls. We've got sticky notes all over the place. We've got people on our hearts of minds. Let's pray for them this week. Even if to off the mountain, pray for them. They may just take a trip. They may say, I'm going to the mountains. I hear there's a tent meeting. It's okay. You can draw them from any and do good for other people's families. We all right? That was way more than three minutes. And I've got more, but I won't unleash. That is enough. This, this I will give you this quote, though. D.L. Moody. Do you know Dwight Moody? heard Dwight Moody. Walking the streets of Chicago, was where his ministry is. Moody Bible Institute is still in Chicago to this day. We have friends that are part of that ministry. He's walking the streets of Chicago, when he walks up to what we would call a perfect stranger. Is there such a thing as a perfect stranger? <laughs> but maybe it was an imperfect stranger. Unless he walked up to this man he did not know. And he said, sir, are you a Christian? The man's response was, mind your own business. To which Moody replied, This is my business. (laughs) It is my business to know whether or not you're a Christian. It is our business as the body of Christ to know whether or not people are disciples of Jesus or not. And ask, it's okay. Are you a Christian? Did you know that you could be friends with God? Did you know that your sins separate from Him? Almost everybody knows they're sinners if you talk to them about it, right? Just throw a few of the Ten Commandments down and say, Have you ever broken any of these? And uh, yeah, Moses did all of them. One shot, broke the tablets. <laughs> but,
1: uh, but, uh,
0: but the rest of us have broken them at one point or another. And the Bible says if you're broken one, you're guilty of all. Wow. So he said, thou shalt not bear false witness. Have you ever lied? Well, of course I lied. Well, then the Bible says you're guilty of all, breaking all of God's commandments if you broke one. How are you ever going to wrangle yourself out of that? Because God now separates himself from you and your sin. But then he provides the bridge, Jesus Christ, so that you can come back to know him. Would you like to know Jesus? Would you like to go with me to the tent meeting? Would you like to sit together? Can I pick you up? What will we do this week? Cell leaders, we've asked you not to meet in your cell groups this week, but to gather your cells, your life groups, and go pick a night to go together. I know that some have been asked, could you come and serve on a night? And some of you have responded to that by ushering and parking and things that are necessary in order to have a good, smooth operation. I thank you for that, but of all things, as a, as a group, who have you been praying for? Who are you ready to invite? Who will you bring with you? It will make... I all know the story about the starfish, right? Little boy throwing starfishes in the. Ocean. All these. can't you see the? there's thousands of these things on the beach. You're not gonna make, you think you really make a difference? You know, if you don't throw them back, they die. The little boy looked at the starfish in the hand and said, well, it'll make a difference to this one. As he threw it back into the water. Maybe it's just one. Maybe it's the next Billy Graham. Maybe it's the next Jason Friend. Maybe it's the next C.T. Stud. Maybe it's the next Pastor Rob. Maybe it's the next you that will come to know Christ this week if we'll make an effort. Specifically, we must pray. Would you stand with me and let's pray now? Don't just let me pray, but you pray too. You've got names. You know people that need Jesus. You might be here this morning yourself, and you still need Jesus. Well, it's not too late. Today, you can do that right here. You can invite Christ to be your Savior. We want to make a difference, so let's begin to pray. Let's pray for those names that are on your heart. God, would you now begin to draw them. Lord, I agree with you that your kingdom must come and your will must be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, you've got a plan. You saw these tent meetings way before we did. You saw them coming together. You have blessed the hands that have gathered to work We thank you for that in Jesus' name. But Lord, now things are in place. The tent is up. The sound is in place. The workers are gathering. Jason, friend, is on his way here right now, Lord God. We know that. And we pray your blessing on him, that your strength will infuse his body, that you will speak by your spirit to his heart and center of his being to know what to say to the people that gather tonight. And Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that we could come into agreement and in league with you this week to push back principalities that you would put on display the principalities and powers, the multifaceted wisdom of God through the church, the body of Christ. Lord, we offer prayers, failing as we are, Lord, frail as we are. We pray that you us when we pray this week. You work as your ears incline to our prayers. And so we will come with confidence in the name of Jesus, not our own. We will come in the confidence of your Son's work and not anything we could do. But Lord, as we offer names to you, We agree with you that by the power of Jesus' name, the blinders will be pressed back off their minds. That the enemy will be rebuked in Jesus' name. You said these signs will follow those that believe. They will cast out demons. So we do so now in Jesus' name. We speak back to the demons and the warfare that is against the people of God. We speak away with you in Jesus' name. By the blood of Jesus, we refuse. We rebuke you and we tell you now to take your work and your schemes and your, your operations off of those whom we pray for now. In Jesus' name. We loose them to hear the gospel. We open the, the possibility for them to hear the truth. And for them to be on the right side of the street as we were demonstrating. Lord, so that they are free to know you in the truth of the gospel, the good news. We want to pray all week long, Lord God, for these whom you've called to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. See, keep in mind that when you pray, imagine this with me. Somebody's got the dome over their mind. They can't see Jesus. And you pray, and the enemy has to push that, the blinders off. Now they're able to see and hear the gospel. What happens if we don't present the gospel? What happens if they don't get to see it? What happens if it's not in front of them? Then eventually that thing will just slide right back in place. So we have a twofold responsibility. Pray the blinders back and then usher them into a spot or go to them and share the good news and see them receive the good news of Jesus Christ. It's twofold. We can't just sit at home and pray only. We must take action. All right? Amen. Stop there, team. Get them. And I'll see you tonight at 6.30.